Hallelujah. 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 Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. And when he shows up right on time, we will continue to bless him. Because God is real. He is near. He is faithful. He is good and great and glorious. Just get a lower hand and clap of praise right wherever you are. Thank him for allowing you to be on another Sunday morning worship. We thank the praise team for preparing our hearts to receive God's word today. We thank the uh, children, Brother uh, Emmanuel McGee and little Nadia Noel. Uh, thank y'all so much for your sacrifice for leading us in our Black History Spotlight. Well, I just want to say welcome to you this morning to this church gathered at Forest Baptist. What a privilege, what a marvelous blessing it is to be in worship one more time. In God's infinite wisdom and kindness, he has allowed us to gather once again on this first day of the week to pause and to reflect upon his goodness, to reflect upon his majesty, his power, the excellencies of Christ Jesus. That is exactly what we're going to do today. May we worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Amen. Well, beloved, we continue to lift each and every one of you up in our prayers. I miss you dearly. It is so good to uh, hear reports of what's going on and how the Lord continues to bless and keep. Uh, but even in the midst, we can we lift up those who are in Texas uh, suffering in the midst of pandemic, uh, natural disaster, man-made disaster, all of that. And we lift up those here even in Louisville and uh, Kentucky. May the Lord have mercy. That is our cry. Lord, help and have mercy. Amen. Well, let's get to it this morning. If you would, grab your Bible, grab your device, and turn with me to Matthew, the 12th chapter, as we are wrapping up this particular chapter. Matthew, the 12th chapter, and as we've been walking through, this has been a continual discussion about the right response to Jesus. How will the religious, how will the crowd, how will the disciples respond to the presence of Jesus Christ? That question goes to you and I even this morning. How will we respond to the very presence of Jesus here in this world? Matthew, the 12th chapter, beginning with verse 43, and we will conclude with verse 50. But Matthew, the 12th chapter, beginning with the 43rd verse, and if you are able, Please join me in standing in honor of the reading of God's word this morning. Matthew 12, 43 through 50. This is the word of God. 
the sufficient, extraordinary, authoritative word of God. May we please hear the voice of Christ this morning. And the word of God reads, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning as we are wrapping up this 12th chapter. This is the last segment and this is part three of a right response to receive the kingdom. A right response to receive the kingdom. Why don't you pray with me this morning? Oh, gracious and eternal, faithful and mighty, kind and loving and gracious Father in heaven, we bless your holy name. Father, we pause to acknowledge your supremacy, your sovereignty, the fact that you are our Father, and you're a good, good Father. Thank you for how you have seen about us even this past week. Thank you so much for how you have seen about our salvation through Christ Jesus. For through the blood of Christ and his broken body, we have the great privilege of drawing near to you in fellowship through repentance and faith. Thank you, Lord, for, your, for the presence of your Holy Spirit, that even today we, we call upon you, Holy Spirit, to help us to magnify Jesus. Help us to declare his praises. Help us to lift the Savior up, that men, women, boys, and girls will be drawn unto you today. Lord, Father, help this day not to be in just an, another ordinary day of praise, just a, an ordinary day of worship. But Father, may this be an extraordinary day of praise and worship because you are an extraordinary God. And Father, as we come right now, may we please come, help us to come dependent, seeking you, just as the deer pants for flowing streams of water, help our souls to pant and desire the goodness of your word, your presence, your might upon today. Oh, he Heavenly Father, please convict our hearts. Show us our sin that we may repent and turn towards you. Show us all of the ways we have sinned against you and one another, oh, Father in heaven. Please strengthen us to draw near, to hear from you, to hear from heaven. Please bless your word. Please bless 
me thy servant. Please take my foolish and weak words to magnify Christ. Help us to understand this text and rightly apply it to our lives. That we may live as the very ones who have hope because of what Jesus has already accomplished. Father, I lift up the one who is dealing with these various storms of life. We continue to lift up those who are in Texas suffering. We, we pray that you will turn the lights on, that the electricity will get, go back up, that the that water pipes will unfreeze, that all of the damage will be fixed and that lives will be restored. Father, I pray that you would have mercy upon those in leadership and that those in leadership would not would no longer lead for their own power, for their own name, for their own reputation. Father, I ask that you would restore the saying of a, of a civil servant, that someone who is giving of themselves in order to serve the people. Father, have mercy on your people here in earth. Have mercy on people here in Louisville and our extended family, friends, and loved ones, oh God. Have mercy and have your way upon this day. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Again, thank you for being with us this morning. And as we wrap up this 12th chapter, we are looking back over the entirety of it, and we continue to see this rejection of Jesus by the religious establishment. That no matter what proof is given, no matter what evidence Jesus is putting on display for them to see and to receive him as Messiah, those uh, religious elites are pushing back against Jesus because of their own desires. We have seen how they've rejected the evidence that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah in spite of all of the miracles, in spite of the healings, in spite of the deliverance and exorcisms, they are still denying that Jesus is the Messiah. They've They've accused Jesus of ministering in the power of Satan himself as if Jesus was just an instrument, a tool of the satanic kingdom blaspheming the work of the Holy Spirit. And they have also failed to recognize the greatness of Jesus over every single Old Testament say. Jesus has to remind them himself. He's, he's greater than Jonah. He's greater than Solomon. He's greater than David. He's greater than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus is trying to help them to recognize, I am the Messiah that you have been waiting for, but yet you are still rejecting me. But, beloved, we see from this text that this rejection of Jesus is just a demonstration, just a manifestation uh, on the outside showing all of us and showing those there just who they really are. Because at the end of the day, there are only two sides to eternity. There, uh, there uh, in Scripture, we see that there are two sides categorized as belonging to a particular group in Scripture. There's only two camps, per se. In Scripture, we see that you are either Jew or Gentile. Through Christ being grafted in to Israel, or you are outside of Israel. 
The scripture shows us that you are either considered a sheep or a goat, one who is a follower of the good shepherd or one who is uh, astray doing their own thing. You are either uh, considered to be a part of the wheat or part of the tares, part of that, the harvest that is actually fruitful or the, the, the residue that is left over from the wheat. Beloved, all of Scripture lays out plainly, you are either in Christ or not. How you respond to Jesus proves what group to whom you belong. That's what I believe that Jesus is closing out this chapter with, this, this sense of identity, this, this understanding of whom you really belong to. Our big idea for today is simply that your response to Jesus reveals whom you belong. Your response, how you respond to the presence of Jesus here, how, how you respond to the fact that the kingdom of heaven has come, how you respond to the truth of the scriptures, how you respond to the people of God, all of that demonstrates and reveals just to whom you belong. This text is about belonging. What does your life really say to whom you belong? Not in the sense of what we want people to see or what we want people to say, because we know that a lot of times there's a difference between what we say and what we do. I may say with my heart, I, I may say uh, that my heart belongs to my wife, but if I'm out, uh, out and about looking for someone else besides my wife, is my heart really with her? I may say I care about the environment, but if I'm driving down the street throwing bottles and trash out of the window and not caring about what I'm doing with, 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 with my garbage, then do I really care about the environment? Because what I'm doing is different than what I say. And I may say I'm a Christian, but does that reality have an impact? And is it demonstrated in my life? Jesus provides us great clarity in this text this morning for whom you belong. Simply, those who reject Jesus belong to Satan, but those who receive Jesus belong to God. There is no middle ground. There is no both sides. Either we belong to Jesus or we belong to Satan. Jesus illustrates this in verses 43 through 45, the fact that those who reject Christ Jesus belong to Satan. Here in verse 43, Jesus says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest, but, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came, and when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. Jesus is speaking in light of the 22nd verse of this chapter. Remember back in verse 22 that Jesus, he, he heals a demon-oppressed man. He, he delivers him from the oppression of that, uh, that, that 
demonic influence and sets this man free. And what Jesus is doing, he's, he's using that illustration of exorcism. He's using the fact that they had just been talking about this to give them an analogy to, to, to show them what their religion is like. Pretty much their religion uh, is, is, is like that of a, a person who has had a demon exercise that have been under demonic influence but encountered Jesus some way. And the and Jesus is saying this unclean spirit, this demon, it comes out of this person for, for whatever reason, but then it, it, it goes into waterless places. Simply, in Jewish times, there's the belief that the desert was the dwelling place of demons because that was an area considered not blessed by God. It didn't have water. It didn't have uh, vegetation. It didn't have anything that would sustain life. So that was the area that was considered to be the domain of demons. And he, 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 Jesus says this demon is looking for somewhere else to go. He's, he's restless, but he's unable to find somewhere else to go. So instead of just a wandering about, the demon makes an interesting statement. It says, I'm just going to go back to my house. I think, I believe it's amazing the fact that this demon considers this man, this person he's just come out of as his home, his abode. This demon is speaking of this person as his possession, both figuratively and literally, that this demon will go back to his house because he owns this person. And when this demon goes back, the, this house is empty. It's, it's been cleaned up. It's been polished. All of the dirt and the disorder and the chaos has been uh, taken care of, but it's empty. Hold on to that. Because when it comes, when the demon comes to go back into this house and sees how clean it is, it's like, uh, wow, it, this place is so clean. I'm just going to get a bunch of, a bunch of other demons, and we're going to come hang out. And the text says he, this demon goes and gets ones that are even evil, more evil than this one. As a matter of fact, seven more spirits. Hold on to that as well. Jesus pointing to this religious establishment, these religious elites, what Jesus is saying that uh, in their response, they were basically saying, we good. <laughs> we, we don't need you, Jesus. We, we got this. Because being cleaned up, they, they, because they were cleaned up on the outside, they thought their inside was taken care of. We don't need you for the forgiveness of sin, Jesus. We, we don't need you to clothe us with your righteousness. We, we don't need you to come and to change anything. Our religion is working just fine. See, their form of religion could only clean things up on the outside, which is why they were so empty on the inside. And as they are rejecting Jesus because they think they can uh, 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 appease God with their own works, Jesus, hit, to, to, to respond to Jesus with, I'm good, completely opens them up to demonic oppression. The fact that they think they're good actually opens them up to more wickedness, to more sinfulness. Beloved, so many times 
we see an individual who looks so good on the outside. It looks like uh, they have their, uh, their Bible study tight. They look like they're doing all things right. And then suddenly uh, this secret comes out and they're fully exposed. But because it, it, it appears that they were just worried about looking good on the outside and Jesus was not holding them grounded on the inside. Who's holding you? Beloved, the spiritual void found in living apart from Jesus leaves you utterly defenseless to Satan's rule. You think you're tough, you think you're strong, and, and you, you, you're constantly saying, I got it, I got it, I got it. But when it comes to your spiritual condition, you don't got it. And, and, and we see that this, this, this person, they don't have it. Your defense may be, well, I just get myself together. See, but Satan has an answer for that. Those who think you, that you're just going to clean yourself up before you come to church, Satan has an, a, another word for you because the text says that this demon goes out and gets seven other spirits. And we know uh, when we look at the biblical text, that number seven means completion. So he's going out to, to bring these other demons in to reside within this person, and they will be completely under demonic oppression. Finish. It's over for them because they have been trying to put on the facade. They are trying to appear like they had it all together, but they were so empty on the inside that they opened them up to something even worse because they were playing the game of moralism. They wanted to act Christian and not be Christian. And because they had failed to fill their empty hearts with Jesus, they would be completely dominated by demons. Look here. Turn with me to James, the fourth chapter, just for a moment. James, the fourth chapter in the seventh verse. The word of God says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What James is saying, he, he's saying that in order to have any defense, any type of hope of resisting Satan and demonic influences in your life, that God must be in your life. Apart from God, you are defenseless. And, and, and though we may look and say, well, I'm not under demonic oppression. Well, you may not feel that you're possessed by demons, but you may love the very things that demons love. The very affections that Satan raises up within a person's heart for idolatry, for uh, sexual uh, idolatry, for, uh, for lying and bitterness and anger, all of those things that do not uh, come from the Holy Spirit. All of that is satanic activity, sin. So though your, your head might not be spinning around, you might not be throwing up stuff, but you seem to love all those things that Satan loves to. And here's the danger because this enchantment with being good yourself, it leads to the demonic. 
This, this self-righteous moralism is empty. It has nothing for you. As a matter of fact, as time goes on, it just makes your life worse. Trying to put on the front that you're holy when you're really not. See, cleaned up people on the outside are actually more vulnerable to satanic influence on the inside because you are empty without Christ. And Jesus is saying, you scribes, you Pharisees, your religion is not going to work for you. Your religion is not going to draw you near to, to the Father. Your, your empty religion is worthless because without Christ, you are empty. And that's why Jesus says that their last state is worse than the first so also it will be with this evil generation. Beloved, rejecting King Jesus only leads to spiritual emptiness. And that void that you're trying, you're trying to fill it, you're trying to fill it with boyfriends and girlfriends. You're trying to fill it with jobs. You're trying to fill it with, with uh, uh, Facebook likes. You're trying to fill it with, 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 with Twitter likes. You're, try, you're trying to fill it with with, with school, you're trying to fill it with degrees, this emptiness, that this yearning, and you're trying to fill it with the things of this world, and it would never be filled because the only person who can fill the emptiness of our hearts is King Jesus. And you're wondering why you feel so empty. It's because you have rejected the rule of Jesus over your life. And what's incredible is that many who our self-professed Christians are really not followers of Jesus. They just moral people. They just do the right things. When we think about uh, this, this exposure to Christian nationalism or when people stand upon the foundation that uh, America is a Christian nation. See, when you stand upon those things for your identity, you're not standing upon the word of God. Because the word of God cuts through any of your preferences. It cuts through any of your priorities. And it gets to the nitty-gritty that says, if, if, if the flag is your Lord, then Jesus can't be. If this nation is your Lord, then Jesus can't be. If, if your own ethnic identity is Lord, then Jesus can't be. And he cuts through that mess and says that if Jesus is not the center of your life, you're empty. Jesus is saying, reject trying to simply be moral, but follow the Messiah. Because those who reject Jesus are the possession of Satan. But then he closes out with, in verses 46 through 50 by revealing to us that those who receive Christ Jesus belong to God. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my, my brother and sister and mother. You see what Jesus is getting at here? The family of Satan or the family of God. And Amongst his disciples, Jesus is making this, this powerful statement because he, he uses his own family as an analogy 
to help them gain spiritual insight. His, he's, he's teaching and preaching. His mother and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, uh, Judas, they, they, they roll up, and, and Mark says that, that, that at this point, his brothers weren't followers of Jesus. They weren't believers, and they just think Jesus is crazy, and they come to get him like, like this boy out of his mind. We need to bring him back home. And, 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 and you can imagine this crowd is surrounding Jesus as he's teaching, giving these incredible truths, and people are sitting at the feet of Jesus learning. And, and one person came in and say, say, Jesus, your family out here. Then Jesus uses his biological family to, to prove a new spiritual point that the fact that he is creating a, a, a new spiritual family based upon a divine progenitor, his father who are in heaven. Here are my brothers. Here is my mother. Amongst us, amongst those who, who, who hear my voice, who sit at my feet, who believe my words and don't reject me. This, this is my family. How is this Jesus' family? How, how is it that they belong to God now? Because he says, for whosoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Those who have been impacted by Jesus have such a transformation of life that instead of living for themselves, they live for uh, King Jesus and they seek to be obedient to his will and they follow him and they obey him. And it, it is evident in their life. It's not just them saying they're following Jesus, but they are actually following Jesus. Those who do the will of the Father. And you know what, beloved, one of the things that the Lord just opened up my eyes to, a lot of times when we think about uh, Jesus' words here, he says, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, and, and we begin to, to rattle off that, that, that long list of rules that we have in our mind. Well, uh, to do the will of the Father, well, I need to read my Bible, I need to pray, I need to go to church, I need to behave myself, I need to stop cussing, I need to stop. And, and we go, go through all of those things in our mind about what we should be doing. But, beloved, I, I actually want us to take a step back because I believe that there is something different that the Lord wills us to do. Yes, he wants us to hear his voice through his word by reading the scripture. Yes, he wants us to commune with him through prayer. But in order for any of that to have an impact of, on your life, in order for the grace of, of, of God to flow over your life, I believe that the Father's will is that we would simply love his son. What does Jesus say when he is bragging on Jesus? This is my beloved son. Listen to him. God actually wants you to love Jesus and not follow rules. And Jesus gives that dichotomy, that, that paradox, because what Jesus says, he doesn't say, follow my rules to learn how to love me. He says, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. 
So instead of us trying to, to, to have a checklist of did I obey, did I obey, did I obey, beloved, I dare you to just say, wake up in the morning and say, do I love rather than do I obey? Because it's when we have a genuine love, when we fulfill the Father's will and love Jesus, we will obey. Those who respond to Jesus are part of God's family. This is, this is the call today. This, this, this text is so serious because there's no third way. There's no other way. Either you belong to Satan or you belong to Jesus. Being part of this new family is such a blessing. But the other side of that, rejection of Messiah actually leads to spiritual isolation. Just like the demon going through waterless places, just like the demon going through the desert, just like the wilderness. The reason why the wilderness was just was called the wilderness because it wasn't for it wasn't a place for them to 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 stay and experience the presence of God. They were supposed to come through the wilderness in order to experience God's presence. But yet many of us self professed, self-proclaimed Christians are really lonely inside because we are loving everything else instead of loving King Jesus. Being satisfied by and through him. At the end of the, at the, end of the day, this text is a call to examination. And what I believe that Jesus is calling us to examine is the fact that does your love reflect belonging to Satan or belonging to God. Do the things you love, do, do, do your affections lead you toward godliness? Do your pursuits, does your praise lead, lead others towards godliness or sinfulness? What does your love reflect? But then also, does your religion only look good on the outside? See, we can, we can come into church and we can, uh, now we can, we can do our Zoom calls and look all holy. We can, we can set up the background, put our Bibles in the back and make sure people think that we're, we're, we're theologians and scholars. And we can make it look like that we're something we're, we're actually not. As a matter of fact, Folks be putting up virtual backgrounds. They, they act like they at work when they really not. They, they got the background of the beach when they really not in Jamaica. But if they were to take down their background, you can actually see the chaos and confusion in their home. Beloved, when you're trying to, when you're trying to fool us, you can put up your own virtual background and try to hide all the stuff that's in the back. But Jesus knows who you really are on the inside. Does your religion only look good on the outside? Or has Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit into your heart on the inside? You know, even as we celebrate Black History Month and consider the events of 1875 and the end of the Civil War, In all of my readings on history, in all of the conversations that are going on throughout the culture, 
One of the phrases that we often hear is that the Civil War freed the slaves or Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. And I say, okay, I give you that. Though those people who were enslaved received freedom, I would argue they did not receive liberty, though. Though they may had their, for, for once in their life, they had physical freedom. But at that same moment, they still did not have liberty. They did not have equality. They did not have justice. They did not have a system set up for their flourishing. And just because they had freedom doesn't mean they received liberty. And beloved, when we think about our salvation, salvation is, is, is not the, it's not just about freedom. It's not the absence of oppression. Salvation is the presence of liberty. Because the text of Scripture reminds me where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Because the text of Scripture reminds us whom the Son has set free is free indeed. That's, it. That's in all things. That means you have an inheritance in glory right now that God has made everything uh, available at your fingertips. You don't have to worry about somebody giving you the proper access that you deserve because in Christ Jesus we have received everything God has to offer. You may think freedom from the burdens of this world comes from just working harder or doing better. And you may think the freedoms of this world comes from momentary pleasure that helps you escape. But that's not salvation. Jesus is offering something greater than just freedom. He is offering you liberty in him. He is offering you freedom from religion and liberty to be in a relationship with him. Salvation is fully available to all who would look to King Jesus. Acts 4 and 2 reminds us, and there is not salvation in any other name given amongst men by which we must be saved. Through Jesus Christ alone, through repentance and faith in Jesus, you, uh, you are saying, Lord, please forgive me for relying upon myself. Please forgive me for saying I'm good. Please forgive me for trying to seek freedom apart from liberty. Please forgive me for not looking to you. Please come into my life and save. Please, please take over my life and save me. I believe that you did come and live this sinless life that I could not live in, that you did come and die the death that I deserve, and that you took the punishment for sin upon yourself, and it was buried with you on in the grave, and that you rose with all power, with freedom over death and deliverance over any yokes, and that you are now offering that life to your disciples those who would do the will of the Father. Your response to Jesus reveals whom you belong to today. Do you belong to Satan or do you belong to God? Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word and for 
the seriousness of this text. And Father, I pray that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, shine your light of examination upon our hearts that we would know for sure whether our house is empty or our house have been filled with Jesus. Father, please forgive us for being concerned about looking like a Christian on the outside when we have not even invited you to live on the inside. Father, I beg you that you would help someone realize who they belong to today and that you would bring them out of darkness and to your marvelous light, that they would experience the liberty and freedom that is only found in King Jesus, and that they would no longer feel that void uh, that is within them, but, and they would no longer try to fill it with the things of this world, but they will look to you, King Jesus, and be completely satisfied. Father, use the truth and power of your word to disrupt us, to transform us, to draw us near. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, beloved, how will you respond?